When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am extremely excited for Star Wars Visions, which comes Star Wars out anime. in like uh, is two that, weeks. Oh. Is that one movie or is that like Animatrix style? Like anime. It's like movies? it's like nine shorts. There was a, a, a grip of years where they were just doing animatrixes for everything. Like mm, there was a Batman one, one, right? Batman got mm. one. Yeah. They gotta they gotta start doing that again for like Frasier. <laughs> oh, the Anna Frasier and the Matrix. Yeah. All right, James. Are you just saying things to be in the zeitgeist? Are you just trying to say memes? No, right no. First of all, that's that the, just, par- the like, Paramount Plus reboot of Frasier is going to be, yeah, anime. <laughs> Slice of life uh, anime. He's running to please, school with toast in his mouth. Yeah, imagine f- p- for me the both opening credits and closing credits sequence of the Frasier anime, and you tell me that that isn't spectacular. Okay, Frasier oh. looking sadly out at the moon over the city of Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a pop it's punk good. version of Toss Island and the Scrambled Eggs. We all know what we're talking about. We all <laughs> the know. The entire cast, for some reason, running to the left. <laughs> Oh, can but you no. can you imagine? I want to see anime Lilith. You know, she. I was, guarantee she, you, this exists. She'd I'm fucking wreck Frasier yeah. anime. Oh boy, look at it. There's so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh right, no! We got, we got Chibi Frasier. No, mm. Frasier does not. Bookmarks. Oh god! All right, let's see what else do we have. See, like. This is the thing I'm afraid of when we talk about things on the internet. It's already- You wish them into being. They've already (laughs) existed. So let's begin. We join the Uhuru and the Silver Bullet. These two ships are docked together. You are met on the deck by Captain Armand Winchester. He, nonetheless, he is a captain, uh, even if he is not the captain that Oromar Vale is. Armand is someone who has led his crew through difficult situations. You are a Corsair, same as I. Your men, Corsairs, same as mine. We fly under similar flags. I 
request safety for my crew. I think that in in this moment of stillness, with not too much of the body to have to move, Oromar manages a smile. Salvation can be yours. We do have the resources. The damage you have taken to your ship is not quite the damage we have taken unto ours. We are in a position to offer you some tools to be able to get yourself back into shape. And likewise, you have some tools that we can use. Now that's the sort of conversation that I am much more agreeable to. But I do need an assent from you beyond just words. Kneel to me uh, as your king, and the benevolence shall be provided. <sighs> and now we join Armand. Armand, a captain who puts on a show. Armand, who always plays as though his hand is better than it has been. Armand, who faces oblivion. Yes, there is a chance that even with the supplies granted by the Uhuru in this moment, that the whole crew won't be able to make it. They have birds, so at least a few might be able to fly off and go to the next port, wherever it might be, and come back and raise the ship out of the riverbed. The damage done here wouldn't be enough to permanently sink a ship, but most certainly the people who were sitting around waiting for help to come would be facing demise. And should that demise come, the captain would be expected to go down with his ship. Not only is he here for his crew's life, but he is right now facing this shame for his own. But he's also realizing that this probably means the end of his captaincy. <laughs> uh, to kneel to another captain in defeat, to not have enough after the battle, to even win safety for himself and his crew, that is a true defeat. Does he value his life more than his pride? Hey, if you're going to be doing captaincy mind games, you best not come for the best. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to draw a luminary. The maelstrom. Mm. Oh, he's feeling a little torn up. Yeah, it is change violent and chaotic and unexpected he pauses I if that be what you seek and he says that quietly but still somehow his voice carries and everyone on the crew of the Silver Bullet falls silent. Be those the terms, Oromar Vale. Indeed. Salvation is at your hand, and all you need to do is recognize who rules the skies around here. 
he removes his coat and hands it to his quartermaster and approaches Oromar Vale to stand about eight paces away. And he drops to a knee and looks up at Vale. Then I'll have you know this, Vale. Let these be my last words as a captain should they be. What sent me was not a man, but a monster. A thing that came from the sea, with eyes yellow and full of hate, that glowed in the dark. They stood head and hand above any man that I've ever seen, with a frame broader than any I'd ever seen, and skin that's dark. Oh, but not like yours. Dark like a thing from the water with a mouth long, full of fang and teeth. Some thing from times far past and forgotten rose from the waters to walk on land like a man. But he spoke as though he knew you, Aramar Vale. And he did give me a name. With that, we flash back to the past. And some tavern in a far-flung corner of Sphere, we pass the drinking and carousing of a lively patronage composed of corsairs and legitimate skyjacks who have been on the lines long enough to know that there is very little that separates them from their lawless counterparts. Towards the back of the establishment, in a shaded booth, where Captain Armand Winchester signals to his two armed guards escorting him to wait nearby for his sign. He tucks himself inside to see his company is seated far away from the light. I didn't know what to make of your missives. You'll forgive me for thinking that someone was telling me ghost stories by post. The figure in darkness turns. We can see that they are broad-shouldered and bulky, covered in a heavy and dark cloak. They pull part of their cloak back, still leaving most of themselves shrouded in darkness, but it is enough to expose an eye, an eye that catches the light in a way that is chilling and impossible. From the shadows, there is an amber-yellow glow that shows a pupil with a slit. I remain now what I was in life which is an honest man, mostly. I'd heard none from you or my crew for some months now. I'd figured I'd misjudged they'd defected and run off, or that you had all been buried in the waves. A hissing rumble of a laugh emanates from the darkness. <laughs> well, you'd be half right about that. And with that, the figure shrouded in darkness removes their hood and looms forward. Winchester jumps in fright and prepares to signal to his men, but the creature quickly catches his hand and pins it to the table. Now, 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 no need to be frightened. Don't you recognize your old friend? You, you can't be. Can't is a word for folk who ain't seen enough a sphere. 
for folk who prefer to sit in the dark and cover their eyes. But you're a man of the sky, Winchester. You've been around long enough and far enough to know that the sea and soil don't hold can't. I am a man who chased a dream and found it on the cursed shores of an island that no man was ever meant to see or set foot upon. I was wounded and left for dead by none other than Oromar Vale. And now I, the last true living son of the Bandari, have once again come to you because I know how to get that dream back. And then you've seen it. The island. The Don't be saying all those words in mixed company. Besides, it's been ages since anyone said my name. Go on. Winchester opens his mouth to speak, but finds himself unable. As we now see what he sees. A figure with two amber-yellow eyes blazing in the darkness, covered in thick and gnarled skin that is a gray-black, the color of seaweed lurking under wave, and a mouth full of menacing fangs that extends far past the face of any man. For what we see is a creature with the body of a man and the head and flesh of a crocodile. Well then, perhaps reintroductions are in order. The name is Calivar. We cut back. He did give me a name. And it was Calivar. Orma, he says on reflex, with mouth too dry to vocalize, tries to say, you don't deserve to say his name, but just harsh, cracked air escapes instead. It is very late at night, uh, late at night to the point where it is almost early in the morning, but not quite. And we can see that there are people from both ships up on the lines making hasty repairs as quickly as possible, trying to get their ships in acceptable working order. The Uhuru, for our records... Is a ship. Yeah, the Uhuru is in rough shape right now. The Uhuru's main furnace and mizzen stack are completely out, meaning the main furnace itself, like there is damage to the actual place where you are burning your coal or, or turf or what have you, that that actually creates the heat that keeps the sails aloft, and the mizzen stack, the the actual stack that connects the back furnace to the envelope itself is damaged to the point where it's not functional. 
On top of that, your rudder is pretty badly damaged and both guide sails have taken some stress. Meanwhile, the silver bullet, a lot of their systems are actually okay. However, someone has torn their envelope completely up and that someone is Jonnet. Jonnet uh, Kessler. That, that is a major bit of, of stress to like a, a extremely vital system. And they are right now having to burn like two to three times the fuel just to prevent themselves from sinking into the River Delta, where there are these horrible seals, which we have not named. Horrible. Just sitting and waiting to take a victim. What I would like is because everybody here, you know, is either the captain of this ship or on the captain's council. You are, I think, in the cargo hold of the Silver Bullet, accompanied by Captain Armand Winchester and Armand's coterie of his own captain's council inspecting the cargo of the ship. Right now, you're trying to negotiate a fair split of that cargo as the victors of this battle and victors who have agreed to allow the crew to live. The Huru is entitled to take a share of whatever happens to be aboard. And that is kind of left in your hands. Uh, so this is going to be generally everyone can, uh, you know, jump in on this and, and voice their opinion on the matter, mm-hmm. but also everybody's going to get one treat, one special character trinket that's just for you. Quick question. Mm-hmm. I am, am I on the captain's council? I thought also I was not. Uh, you are not. You're <laughs> very specifically not. Um, but I would like to see anyone try and stop you from being here. <laughs> <laughs> from getting my my good treats, Yes. Yeah, or- Orimar has other things going on in their brain at the moment than to Travis proof <laughs> the circumstance <laughs> at hand. <laughs> like, I like baby, sir, do you have like any baby, baby gates? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he can only get through those when he's like a raven. Mm. <laughs> he, he, he pulls a plastic screwdriver out of his diaper and he just jimmies open the lock mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of like, while Oromar is taking it very seriously, the other three of us are just like having the other crew like do a real circle around of like presenting the stuff to us. <laughs> mm. Like, oh, but I don't like that. Well, actually, you know, bring it back. I want to look at it again. <laughs> no, I still don't like it. Do we have like a glamorous game show host, like assistant, uh, mm. who with like shiny hands being like, and this is what you could have won. We're, <laughs> ma- we're making all these items. The silver bullet, bullet had a va- have a Vanna White. Right. One of these has a goat behind it. <laughs> oh, I want that goat so bad. Do they, even um, though Drew Carey hosts the show, do they still call them Barker's Beauties? I hope they stopped even when Bob Barker was hosting. No, they're but. Carrie's cuties now. Yeah, they got to be <laughs> Carrie's cuties for sure. Bing! Okay, so h- how do we want to resolve like the, the main thrust of cargo? What, what I can do hmm. is we can draw three luminaries, and that'll just determine like what the, the silver bullet's you know, current level of like wealth or, or, or stock or supply is. Mm. But I, I would love these luminaries are going to be answering specific questions mm-hmm. about the cargo. And I, I think I would like to go to y'all of like, what do you want to know about this cargo before you make a demand? You know, good question. 
I think my question is like, has the silver bullet ever picked up like a piece of cargo that they don't know what to do with it? Like it's like, is there something, is there a section of the, the cargo hold where they just put things like, we'll figure out what we want. We'll keep, we're keeping this on, on board, but we'll figure out what to do with it later. We know it's expensive, but we don't know. Yeah. How, yeah. Mysterious I, I, items. Okay. <laughs> okay. That, that's perfect. So one of these luminaries will be for mysterious item <laughs> that they've been hauling around for a while. What's next? What's another thing, another concept that you would love the luminaries to establish for you? What's their weapon hold like? Uh, we know oh. we know that they have sniper rifles as part of their part of their setup. But what other things are they vibing bombs? I mean, without pulling luminary for it, we do know that this is a ship that likes to fight at altitude. So they probably have lots of powder for for charges. For both anti-personnel or anti-hull charges. On top of that, this is a ship with cannons. And they also have birds. That is the thing that we know. So I could be for like special or interesting weapons. Uh, I, I could make that a card category if everybody's comfortable with that. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So we have a thing that we've been hauling around for a while. Special or interesting weapon. And... What's uh, what's what's our last like thing? If this is too weird, let me know. <laughs> what if they have a thing that is kind of suspended from their envelope? That's like basically like more either cargo or personnel space, so that you can just like carry more. You know, if there's like run out of room on the ship, there's like a oh yeah, I don't know what that would be. Like the netted area at yeah. like the discovery zone? <gasps> yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so like a special, so the, yeah, they have just built extra cargo. They've sus- suspended it from the bottom of their canopy. Their theory being like, we just need to be able to get fuel. And I, I can decide like, especially because we've got a river delta in this area anyway, we'll just say there's a lot of turf around here. For folks who are from the US and probably are not familiar with, with turf, um, turf is a type of fuel that was a lot more popular around the time that coal was a popular fuel. It is made out of like very compressed, decaying marsh materials. It's some something that is very popular in Ireland and Scotland. It burns with about this a similar efficiency of coal. And in the Skyjacks universe, we can just we can bump that up to it, it's coal with Jace, baby. Why not? And it is actually one of the things uh, that allows scotch to taste as, as nice as it does PT. if you are a, yes, a fan indeed. of PT scotch. Mm-hmm. So yeah. We're, we're, we'll say this is just a turf-rich area, so they, they will drop. And, you know, like anybody would do when confronted with turf, is they'll set it on fire. I so, really hate that that's what it's called and you have to keep saying it. Well, it's it's <laughs> T-U-R-F. I mean, I was... Uh, we, multiple instances <laughs> I have resisted making a joke. Like, if you can't find any peat to burn in your furnace, various and sundry transphobes burns just as bright and will get you just as elevated. <laughs> yeah, Actually, if you burn... Ooh, yeah. If you put a transphobe, like, if you set them on fire, that it is be- it's better than gasoline. We should really be using that as a fuel source because it also doesn't fill the atmosphere with carbon. Um, that... It does put bad, at, like, opinion into the atmosphere, which is unfortunate. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> 
Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Let's get things started off with a radvertisement. This one comes to us from the writing of Madeline Crane, aka The Well-Read Adventurer, available at cranewrites.wordpress.com. Madeline Crane is a masterful teller of tales and the best friend and wife anyone could ask for, her novellas, Beyond the Frost Cold Sea, and The Book of the New Moon Door, are beautiful stories with compelling characters, dynamic plotlines, and rich, melancholy atmosphere. She also has available free modules for various tabletop role-playing systems, and many lovely pictures of cats, all available for free at cranewrites.wordpress.com. A P.S., and this one's just for me. James, please read the short story Love Song in Six Verses, a Star Wars story. I suspect you'll like it. Oh, and another postscript, but this one I think is for everyone. If you want to include that her husband and friends all love her very much, that would be nice too. I see we've done sort of a hybrid promotional and personal advertisement. How delicious! What a wonderful twisting of the system we have. Well, Madeline, it does seem like you have a lovely group of people who care about you very much and a lovely collection of stories that listeners of my podcasts will enjoy very much. I think the words rich melancholy atmosphere will ring very true in the hearts of many people listening to this very show. You can check out Maddie's novellas, modules, and short stories at cranewrites.wordpress.com, and if you enjoy her work, consider supporting her on Ko-Fi, linked on her blog. Thanks to Maddie and all of her supportive loved ones for sponsoring the show this week. If you'd like to hear your own personal or professional or perhaps some sick hybrid of the two message on the show, you can always head to oneshotpodcast.com, click on contact us, and then radvertise. Heroes, if you are listening to this on the day it comes out and the morning it comes out, then you still might have time to submit a prompt for the next round of All My Fantasy Skyjacks. To fulfill our Kickstarter obligations, I'm going to be sitting down with Drew Merzieski, Aaron Catano Saez, and Jeff Stormer to create up some new characters, setting details, places, concepts for the world of Sphere in the style of All My Fantasy Children. If you don't know, All My Fantasy Children is a world-building and storytelling podcast in the OneShot Network. And in the past, we have teamed up with them to create some great concepts for the world of Sphere. And we hope to keep that rolling. Just head over to at CampaignPod on Twitter and look at our pinned tweet and reply to it with a prompt and hashtag Fantasy Skyjacks. Also, I wanted to note here and now that Skyjacks, after we conclude this arc, is going to be taking uh, something of a break. We're still going to have things coming up on the feed. Uh, those things will include episodes of All My Fantasy Skyjacks and may include some bonus material. The basic reason for that is I'm going to be having a baby very, very soon. And I want to give myself and my production team a good buffer of time between myself and that child because I don't know what uh, recordings could be interrupted from a baby. So to stay on the safe side, we're getting ahead. We've still got a little bit before the end of the arc, though. And even if you're missing the show during that gap, we have plenty of Patreon content to keep you entertained. Currently, the OneShot Patreon is releasing a brand new bonus series, Skyjack's Azure Blues. It stars Patrick Rothfuss and Amy Vorpal on an adventure following Jolly Jack, his second-in-command, Gerace, and of, and of course, our dear Black Lily, Margaret. 
That is going to be coming out every other week. The next episode hits us next Thursday, but until then, I've got a little bonus episode prepared for you, where I talk a little bit about the production behind Azure Blues and the larger role pickups play on the Campaign Skyjacks podcast. That should be some interesting listening. Now then, before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. Virginia! Thank you. Josh Points, thank you very much. Rhiannon, thank you. Alex DeSalt, thank you so much. Cody Coltharp, thank you. Roland Berry, thank you very much. Sam Bauer, thank you. Rose L, thank you so much. Sarah Harrison, thank you very much. Defunct Glasses, thank you. Jack Squire, thank you very much. Ike Ginger, thank you. Merlin, thank you very much. Lauren, thank you. Ross Taylor, Thank you so much. Michelle Milam, thank you. Tech Dragon, thank you very much. Eve Challenger and Holly Tompkins, thank you both so much. Rain Egan, thank you. Lisa Arigema, thank you so much. And Callie, thank you. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Without you, we wouldn't be able to make this show as incredible as it is. And we certainly wouldn't be able to make all of the wonderful bonus content we have coming your way. So if you like what you're hearing here and you want to hear more of Margaret's story, you should head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up at the $5 level or more. Backing there gets you access to that bonus audio and so much more. And it also just helps us make this show. Now then, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. So we have like whatever is in the discovery zone. So let's let's flip. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, this is interesting. The mysterious object Mm. that um, you know they're, they're trying to figure out how to fence, didn't quite know how to use yet, is the perfect crime. Oh. I think this is the result of a extremely successful heist of some sort. It's sort of like a similar situation that you ran into with the feather weave that you took. It's something that is so valuable, it would be so it would be foolish of you to accept anything less than a very high price, but where do you sell it? It's like so hot that like how people are going to know where it came from. People aren't going to want to bother with it. There is a part of me that thinks that this is from the church. Mm. And and that's what led it to be so troublesome. So I want to know, knowing kind of the stakes for it, what do we think that is? Maybe one or the other. Does the church have saints? Uh, Yes, it does. Mm. And it actually not only has saints, it has saints that I have write-ups on. So if you would like to tie this to a saint in some way, I am extremely on board. So I think it's either a relic from their from their body, or it is a an image of the saint that supposedly a miracle had happened to, like a, a statue or a painting oh, that cried or mm. I am, I'm very into the idea of it being a relic. I mean, that's just, 
dead bodies are cool. One of the coolest things about Catholicism is that like literally big creeps just kept bodies in the church for yeah. like ages and ages and decorate bedazzled them. Absolutely metal as fuck. Come look at the teeth. <laughs> Come on, look at the teeth. Yeah, check out these special knuckle bones that came from a human person who was killed in a terrible way. <laughs> Do we have like a, a Saint Sebastian equivalent? Somebody who has only ever been depicted as incredibly sexy by people who are definitely Ooh. not drawing it because they're into it. It's because they're so devote. That's the only reason why they would ever draw this person so astoundingly hot. Whoa. Okay. Okay. I've never seen this man. Wait, give me you, the name you, one more you're time. You're not familiar with St. Sebastian. No, but now I... that I see him, I'd like to be. Gay icon. <laughs> Saint Sebastian. Yeah, no. Saint um, Sebastian. Uh, there, there's definitely. even like a special kind of like feast day surrounded by, but pretty much every single sculpture or painting this of this particular what's saint. Oh, wow. Is, uh, what's he the patron of? Is he the patron saint of getting horny? I mean, probably now. I, I, that is a detail even I do like, not remember. <laughs> unfortunately, you would figure I would know enough mythology about this character. He's to the be able patron to know saint of archers and athletes. Which is oh, why he's the... usually stabbed with a large number of arrows. So. That's, yep, okay. He's the Hawkeye. Desire a saintly death. Okay. St. Sebastian was our rivals when I was uh, in, uh, in, in uh, elementary school. Yeah, St. Sebastian's cut. All right, all right. I am going to give, I'm going to give y'all a choice. Mm-hmm. What you can have, you can have a relic either from a Maggiore saint or a minore saint basically there are three types of canon in the church of the slain god very much like in in catholicism uh, it, it separates like what is considered biblically canon into all sorts of different categories so the films uh, because, are the highest level yes then the yes it, it, well there's actually actually it's 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 uh first it, it, it's j canon anything that jesus said <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> But there are three popes, essentially, in the Church of the Slain God, three voxes. And on anything each vox agrees is canon, that is considered Massimo canon. That is, like, irrefutable. It is recognized by every branch of the church. However, if just two of the voxes agree, Mm -hmm. it is considered Maggiore canon, which is, you know— pretty well respected in most places but like certainly there there are parts of the church that that don't recognize it and regionally very specific and then there is minore canon which is just one vox sees it as canon mm. it is like more folk traditiony than like actually considered part of the religion but you know, there's still lots of stuff about it. And of course, the most popular thing to categorize into the different types of canons are the the acts of saints, are, you know, whether or not somebody was an actual saint and what their legacy actually means. So if you go with a, a minori canon, I will give you like a major relic. And there are definitely going to be a couple people to choose from. Maggiore canon, I'll give you like a minor relic. You know, that might be like a tooth or mm. a finger or something where, where you know, minori canon, like we can give you a whole dang body or, or something Ooh. like that. Is this then like a minore canon thing and it's one pope's weird little secret kind of deal? Because, hey... 
if it kind of came out into the world that there's this particular item that this pope insists is true and important, but the other two popes are like, get out of town. You don't Mm. want that circulating. That's a problem. So would that be one, even one level below where it's no. like just one pope well, well yeah one pope is minority oh, m- for, okay for one sure. pope because is like yeah that is a, a minority of the boxes okay uh agree that it is canon that sounds dope okay then with that i i'm so glad that this is coming up because uh <laughs> i commissioned this work for a, a project that is taking a very oh in that case time. never mind <laughs> one of one yeah, of, we should move on. One of our We're going uh, on uh, Skyjack Zine uh, John it fine. John goes into the bathroom <laughs> and he's just he's just chatting people up. Uh, <laughs> so Jerry instead. Jerry. I, I <laughs> sorry reached out, or actually a fan of the show reached out to me. I believe y'all know Sable. Mm-hmm. Sable oh. is extremely talented for many different reasons, but like Sable is like, hey, if you ever want to talk about like Catholic like saints like got a huge Catholic background I'm so into the idea of there being saints to the slain church I was like I am actually putting together a zine for the church of the slain God right now and so I hired Sable to just write up a bunch of saints so I will allow you to pick by name first here we have Saint Brigotta of Nordia We've got Saint Lorazia and Miriam and Horencia. Of those, like which which appeals to you? The last Miriam. one is two. It's two people. Yeah, oh. two people who were who were co saints. Ah, Miriam Ooh. and Horencia. I see. Mm-hmm. I like the H- H- Horacia. 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 Gotcha. The Miriam two appeals. To yeah, two. Yeah. I like a twofer. <laughs> and gosh, I, I'm sorry, my my dyslexia is really working against me today. It is Mariam and Horatia. Mariam, Horatia. So I am going to give you the abridged story Sable wrote up for us. They led an abbey that housed a ton of important texts from before the fall. Their historical church documents, scientific texts, poetry, literature, and other things. The seas rose, and Horatia stayed behind in the library to make sure the windows and doors stayed sealed to protect the books. There was an opening at the top of the chapel spire just high enough to be above the water and just big enough for Horatia to send a pigeon through. Horatia spent the rest of her life sending pieces of old texts and her own writings to Mariam via bird. No one really knows how she stayed alive all that long. There wasn't much food or fresh water in the abbey, but Mariam kept getting pigeon letters from her until Mariam died around the age of 106. That's so uh, cool. Yeah. That's, Sybil, that's awesome. Yeah, the issue with these two is post-Starfall, but pre-New Path of Sovereignty, the preservation of that much church history with the Horatian epistolaries was a big deal. So when the higher-ups decided that it was time to expand, they had a harder time getting rid of all the old stuff that was expected, Mm. basically meaning— when the new Voxes emerged and they were trying to take the church in their own direction, they annoyingly had a wealth of information about the church (laughs) before that was contradicting a lot of the things that they said, which is one of the reasons, you know, 
Yeah, they, they, they are Minora ranked. This, I think, is going to be, and now I have to look up, oh, God, all my stupid Italian <laughs> fucking goddamn names. Hold on here. I mean, it's sounding like we have a, a little book of heresy that uh, that wasn't kind yeah. of like wiped when they were putting in the new canon. Yeah, so this, I believe is going to be Minori Canon under Vox Iltesta, which is essentially the Vox of the head. This would be the second Vox who emerged as part of the slain church and uh, the Vox who, like that founding Vox, their miracle, because that Vox is also a saint, is said to be literally raising a sunken city from the hateful sea mm. uh, to, to restore like sort of an old Vatican situation. So I think that the chapel and tower in question w- would have been part of that. Obviously, once that was raised from the sea, all of the documents within were, you know, unfortunately destroyed. And the only real records of them are what was sent out via pigeon from these saints. And the other boxes don't want to deal with it because it would give far too much power and influence to Iltesta as he has like all of the correspondence between these two. Which brings us to what creepy leftover bits of these people are there Mm. what do you get what if we get a hand with like a quill in it like she died writing the letters and the quill is supposedly from the pigeon oh oh yeah like that's how the on the day on the day then that mariam died the pigeon came to arrive at Mariam's like abbey or, or wherever Mariam was like receiving these letters and it came carrying Horatia's hand. Um, the whole hand. And oh. yeah. So uh, <laughs> the people who, who buried Mariam, I think took this hand and they took the pigeon who obviously died as soon as it landed with that hand, mm. created this, relic which is extremely eerie and beautiful it has like this kind of iridescent pigeon feathers decorating it and it is kind of like a desiccated hand of it just an incredibly old person one thing that i have to say is the amount of information about this world that exists that we don't know <laughs> is like yeah. fucking mind boggling will yeah. not no. Refuse to learn. <laughs> Never. And refuse, refuse to, to retain. And that the audience could easily know if you decided at any point to look it up. Fine. Um, I'm going <laughs> to. Wait, from is now this, on, I'm just going to have in every adventure, Johnnet opens one book. Okay. <laughs> and then you can do the thing. Let us know because it is fair and it is cool, but we don't <laughs> look for it. No. <laughs> uh. Uh. So yeah, you you have the hand of Saint Horatia, the keeper of the sunken abbey. Is um, it is the hand itself, would you say that the hand is encased in anything, or do we find it just like in just a hand? My experience, I, I have only seen a couple relics in my life, but my experience of Catholic relics is they are usually in some extraordinarily Housed decorative yeah. casing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a, probably a nice shadow box. Uh, yeah. With like a velvet, uh, red velvet, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. little pillow. 
gold filigree. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Open it, see the hand. Close it. Open it, see the hand. Huh. I guess we're, this is ours now. (laughs) Yeah, as far as what properties that has, we can work that out later. Since you opted for Minore Canon, uh, Johnny sounds like Johnny's got an idea and I will ask about it in, in two shakes of the lamb's tail. I will say that with it, there is a jankety ass busted looking angel feather. Most of the angel feathers that you have found up to this point have like beautiful full fronds with with lots of eyes on them. I think this is like kind of a quill stock with maybe a few sad eyes hanging off of it. Hmm. <laughs> so I like to believe that we discovered these by like, so the, the crew's all cycling through and showing off like, oh, I don't like that cup. Oh, I, mm, yuck. Yes, me, thank you. And so they're cycling through <laughs> World's horniest grandpa, but I never had a son. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, just, the, you can tell that the crew of the Silver Bullet is kind of sad to let this go because they know like, oh, this could have been so much money. And they show off, oh, hey, so uh, one of their older spit equivalents tells the story uh, in case no one's that familiar with the church. And then he also says, oh, we also found like this this bag of loose parchment, it might have something in there. <laughs> and like Gable grabs it and opens it up, sees their own feather and snaps it up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm just going to put this away. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, yes. if you're looking to hang around on this boat for a little longer, I'd love to chat more. Nope, I will not speak to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Nathan, for doing that. So I did That's not have spat. to. <laughs> uh, Johnny, I, I do. You did have an idea. You had an idea for, for the, the the qualities. Yeah. Of- so I have, t- there are two that I thought of. One is the, the, like the hand, if you like, you know, whatever, place it on a piece of parchment, it can either do like automatic writing where it like channels someone um and or it can kind of tell you the truth kind of like the alethiometer (laughs) where you can like ask it questions and it'll like write the answer but in a way that is always true but maybe you have to decode it in some way maybe it's in angel language i like the idea that it can only write in the divine language so only a ghost or whatever that speaks the divine tongue would be able to write. But I do really love the idea of posthumous correspondence being possible through this thing, because that means that Dref can write letters. Oh, uh, oh and we can with, prank him. Oh, we can prank him. And you can prank him so good. That's the first, that's the first thought. <laughs> oh, and the ink the is the of course, ghost piss. Ghost piss. <laughs> Yes, 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 it's ghost piss. Which is a very real thing in, in your world, and it is so sexual for ghosts. But we can't focus on that now because there are two other yeah, things that we have yeah. to consider here. Uh, the next is a special weapon. And oh boy, I drew the island for this. Mm. So the island's themes. Yeah, we have imprisonment, doom, and the cursed sea. I kind of think like the easiest read on this is this is just a canon 
It is a ghost fire cannon. It is a cannon Ooh. that was taken from one of the Mariner's ships. We don't have any cannon. Oh. Is that is that feasible to just kind of take an object from That's- the Mariner's ship and just rock with it? I have to imagine it is a difficult thing to do because kind of the thing that I have been imagining, if you are able to sink one of the ships from the drowned fleet or defeat the Mariner, I I, I think very much of of the, the Hans Christian Andersen Little Mermaid where at the end, because it didn't work out for her, she was doomed to become foam Mm -hmm. on, on, on the seashore. And like, Sea foam can be actually very nasty. So I kind of like the idea that like these ships, when you sink, they discorporate into like rotting seaweed and and this horrible sea foam that like drifts across the landscape and probably kills like plants and, and crops and whatnot as it drifts onto the land. So somebody would have had to have like taken this cannon from a drowned fleet ship and that ship is not sunk which is an incredible feat how did it happen we don't even know because it wasn't the silver bullet that did it mm. it's just the silver bullet that happens to have it which is a weapon that's a definitely a ticking time bomb because obviously if the ship elsewhere happened to sink for an unrelated reason and then suddenly a weapon aboard your ship is turning into corrosive poisonous sea foam and you don't know why <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And not only that, like one thing, Nathan, is we kind of know that at the directive of Oromar, the Uhuru stopped using cannons to fight. Mm. Uh, that That is kind of like no longer the strategy. You cleared out all that cannon space for A, more cargo room, and B, an aviary. Mm-hmm. So like th- this was an intentional move on Oromar's part, but we have no idea when in the timeline of the Uhuru this happened. Mm-hmm. It might have been in preparation for Oromar to go seize the crown. Mm. Um, we don't know. But regardless, I think, yeah, you just have like a cannon from one oh, of the Mariner's ships, which I don't know what it could possibly do. We didn't establish too much of an effect for ghost fire, but it could do some weird stuff, probably. Weird stuff. Noting that down. Absolutely. It blows bubbles. <laughs> Beautiful bubbles. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it blows bubbles. It, it's sort of like Sailor Mercury's bubbles mm. there. You know, they have some kind of an effect, but it's really not kind of the powerful attack that you <laughs> want from like a Sailor Jupiter who at least took down some of the yokai. Let's go on to the last card, and that is for the little hanging discovery zone extra cargo space. Mm-hmm. The card that I drew for that is the rake. Ooh. Um, the rake represents greed, appetite, cruelty, and resentment. And the divination here, the rake almost always suggests danger. While desire is natural, the rake makes it dark. Something base is being pursued relentlessly at the expense of all other things. So yeah, this is like, ooh, that's creepy. This cargo hold is like specifically dedicated to like dark appetites and and insatiable greed. And it Uh, hangs below the... The, the envelope, yeah. What if they used it as, what's the jail on a ship called? Brig. Yeah, what if they used it as a brig? We don't have to, obviously, but. Yeah, 
Oh, God. Yeah, it, it is probably like you're kind of exposed to the elements there. Mm. So it would just be a place where people would rot away in the elements, you know, probably sheltered from rain or whatever, but certainly not from clouds and definitely not from wind. And seeing as how the silver bullet liked to fly at high altitudes, people were probably struggling to breathe every moment they were kept there. Mm. Well, uh, maybe a good thing that they don't have that to use on other people anymore. <laughs> uh, that is, yeah, I'm going to say of, of these big treasures, you get to pick two. Uh-huh. So what do you want? I can make my own discoveries. Uh, mm-hmm. I have the imagination. I, I don't know whether we necessarily want that cannon, though. I, I think there's a, either it's an Oromar, I really don't like cannons for a specific personal reason thing, or it's like a specific strategic thing. And, uh, you know, uh, having that additional weight on board is is unnecessary. Also, part of me really doesn't like the idea that we could just have something on our ship that would just decay and become dangerous regardless of what we do. And then we would just be <laughs> passing that on to somebody else if we were selling it. And it's like, that's that's even it more, could, that's more yeah. of a heat than the reliquary, honestly. <laughs> I could definitely see James being like, well, you just had a homing signal for the Mariner this whole time because you've got uh-huh. his cannon. Uh-huh. Uh- it's a trick. <laughs> it's a trap. Yeah, Jonnet, I mean, th- this is kind of interesting. I would like you to cast an, an arcane roll here. What am I rolling against? I am going to have this be hard. Okay. And you you may flicker your eye open for it if you would like to, to spend the strain for that. Too strain. All right, let's talk. Are you mm. for real? Huh. One advantage. Okay. All right. Well, we got to draw a luminary to resolve <laughs> the success versus the failure. Mm. And that luminary is, ooh, the forest queen. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, dominance, nature, expectation, and order. The narrative states, this can be a tremendous boon to PCs, but it comes with an unforeseeable price. Uh, Once she has given, the queen will want to be repaid. Her debts are rarely settled, and her favors are more about her ends than yours. What I think happens. Jonnet, you see this cannon, and you feel in your palm a prickling itch. The, the presence of the Mariner's Mark. And you flick your eye open. I think it almost flares open defensively, seeing and feeling any presence of the Mariner. And you can see the lines of this curse drifting from your palm. They are, are certainly less robust than they were in Nordia. When you dealt that blow to the Mariner, it really seemed to, to reduce whatever claim or hold he had on you. And, you know, it looks ill now, almost as though it, it could be defeated. However, you also in feeling it and seeing the connection you can feel the connection and and you see the way it it wraps around this cannon how it is is tangled up in a network and you see that the cannon itself has has a far more robust tendril coming off of it that goes off into the distance and what i'll say 
is you think that there's a possibility that you would be able to use this cannon to know where the Mariner is. However, you don't know how you would make that work alone. And you feel something, something in the distance, something not the Mariner, but definitely something very powerful, something very old calling to you, letting you know that it could help. So you have the choice. Can I add on that while Jonnet is looking at this cannon with his third eye, we get the picture of the, the tendrils and there's the one that kind of goes off, but like he can only see it for maybe like three feet and then it kind of fades away. So it's like, he's like, there's something there. It's pointing in some direction, but this is, it's, it gets murky. So it's like, I could use this. I could figure out, but it would take something that he does, is not aware of. Yeah, I feel like he reaches out to it and then he realizes that he's reaching out to it with the hand that has the mark. And then he definitely second guesses that, pulls his hand back and then gives it a slight brush with his right hand and to see if there's any kind of response from there and touching and making any general contact with it. And from the rattle of the wood of the ship, you hear a voice in your mind. It takes shape not in the way that a voice that you heard through your ears would take shape. It takes shape in the fibers of the universe. A a knowledge appears to you. You are powerful, but young and inexperienced, O child of the song. But I could show you the way, lend you my strength. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Hey, everybody, putting a hard pass on this cannon. We will not be taking this cannon on the ship. Oromar, that's your final call, but I will strongly suggest that we get this cannon anywhere. We, this is, uh, nope. Gable is starting and to look. Jonnet is backing up with everything. Nope. Gable starts it's, like looking. A, it's, like a, it's like a two-step, but every step is backwards. Nope. Nope. You want to push it over the side? I'll push it over the side. Let's put it in the Gable, Gable, if you could push it over the side, I Absolutely. would love to push it over I'd the side right now. Pushing, pushing, like, because they shouldn't have it either. None of us should have it. Let's just, like, put it in the river. <laughs> Captain, are you sure? Can I can I put the cannon in the like, river? Orma, I think the body actually <laughs> physically jumped upon <laughs> Jonet just exclaimed because we didn't hear any of that conversation. So just Jonet immediately exclaimed, nope, made uh, Orma actually jump. Full, full disclosure, it will try to be open and honest with these get with y'all uh, after all these adventures we've been on. Heard a voice in the back of my head call me the child of the sovereign. Don't know how to unpack that. Uh let's push this cannon in the river. Push the cannon in the river. The captain any nods. objections? The Captain nods. Three, two, one, goodbye. You push it in the river. There it is not a splash. The cannon discorporates immediately into that caustic sea foam. 
because something was pushed off of a ship, those terrible seals immediately went for it and they got caught up in the sea foam and you look away before most of it happens, but the frenzied seals that tried to attack whatever morsel was leaving the ship meld together into some sort of horrible leviathan that now moves through fresh waters. And so that's just a thing. <laughs> 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 slowly kind of like looks back at Captain, ex-Captain Winchester and kind of signs, that could have been you. Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Better off without it, honestly. Sky Jacks. And I don't know. I don't know if this is the case. I think that is the last secret from our original session zero. I need to go back and listen to that. Four hours of content, but it's Calvar the Crocodile Man. He's finally in the thing. People didn't know that he was a crocodile man. No, nobody knows that he's a crocodile man. No, he was a crocodile man. Oh my god. Well, was like he, he wasn't thing. when you knew him. That's so <laughs> funny because I basically the only thing I vividly remember is writing on my character sheet in when we were meeting in person, Calivar, crocodile man. Crocodile. I think absolutely I have the, to that effect. <laughs> the only note I've ever taken in my life. <laughs> the only no, information that I have put in my brain. Good oh thoughts. We open on Gable and Jonnet searching around the ship in front of a room that I feel like we haven't really seen before on on the Uhuru. Uh, There is a stately door that is left mildly ajar. We can see inside long shadows and darkness uh, before them. Fred! 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 Fred. Hey. Fred. Okay. You, we. What? <laughs> Fred, you've got the good rope. We need the good rope. We need the good rope for our ship flying. <laughs> Come and play. I... Excuse me? Gable, you hear that? <laughs> I don't remember what Fred sounds like. Does we have guests. Fred have a... Come and play. Come and play. Oh, Fred. Um... I think, I don't know if that's Fred. I've never heard Fred giggle before or play. Well, but maybe Fred is in a particularly childish mood today, and we should encourage that because sense of play is very important in the adult space. Okay. I mean, that's, that is super important. Plus, we just need to get that good rope. I gotta get that good rope. All right. I'll go in first because of reasons. <laughs> the tallness. The tallness, yes. Creak as the door opens. Whoa, it doesn't what's seem up with like this door? Hang on, of... wait, 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 wait. This door just yeah. said creak. <laughs> <laughs> I, I punched the door. What's the deal? I'm a fucking door. I, punch the door. I creak I punch sometimes. 
Oh! <laughs> Don't stop creaking. As we look inside the room, uh, it doesn't seem like any of the light from outside the room actually brightens the shadows within. Um, it just shows off the many shadowy corners uh, belonging to the room inside. Oh, I'm going to play with that. Supposed- <laughs> We're so lonely in here. Janet, what's supposed to be in this room? We can be friends together forever. I thought that this used to be the... And ever. Where they used to keep the the orphans. (laughs) (laughs) Who left the door to my haunted Victorian doll room open? Now, Creek and Kevin, you door, you know you're supposed to stay shut no matter who comes unless it's me. I was trying to sound the creak of alarm. (laughs) Well, what, what was... What is, what is what? going on? Oh. oh, I should ask you the same thing, and I will. Travis, what is going Papa? on? Oh, we're looking for Fred, and now that I've explained what we're doing, I'm going to go into this room. No! Foot, right foot, left foot, right <laughs> foot, left foot. Yeah, we're making come play with us. Come play with us and Papa forever. <laughs> All right. What is so funny? Hold on, you two. Stop right there. It's me, Nodos, a person that you contextually respect. I mean, <laughs> but the prompt did say that the only person that was going to stop us was Travis, so it's weird that you're here. I t- hey. No, but the prompt also said that we're supposed to explain to you the dangers of entering a room with a haunted Victorian doll. And, you know, and Travis was really dragging his feet on that now, one. Now, here's the thing. I think it is more impactful to show and not tell, and I figured if they went in, I could show them the dangers rather than me just saying, oh, okay, they're dangerous. Okay, well then I will continue to walk in. Thank left, you. Foot, left, right foot, foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Dolls immediately spring from the sides of the room and bite Jonic uh, <laughs> uh, on the neck and back. Um, he grabs no. my throat to the ground, stomps it. Ah, they're stronger than they look. Now, don't you wish you hadn't done that? Yes, Travis, I regret my decisions. Help me. <laughs> okay. Okay, dolls. Let's take it easy. Lesson learned. <laughs> Creek and They're... Kevin will be receiving quite a few demerits for letting them in. But when are you going to play oh. with us? Uh, no, I... I know. Look, we'll get we'll get someone else for you to play with. Someone you said we'd like to play the game where we eat the child's flesh. I know. We'll That's you... not a game. Well, not for you. You're a human boy. They're haunted Victorian dolls. You. You're more like a ball. Uh, Jonnet points to a ball covered in flesh that we eat, oh, and then we can okay. play with the ball inside. You two. I, I, the bones. You two. Wait. You two. You two creepy dolls. What are your names? And what's this deal? Quentin. Why? Oh, no, Jonnet, you shouldn't ask them those things. You're about to learn their backstory, which will make you think you have a chance at saving them, which instead you should be discarding them into a dark room. Well, not discarding, just cordoning off. And if you do listen to their full story... It, it does take 1,000 years. So you th- you'll think, as you're listening, you'll think that only two or three minutes has passed. But it but was a long time ago in Victorian England. Every- no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say I did find Kevin. Uh, which one of you took all of his bones? 
because he's just squishy now. There's like a femur that is hidden behind one back. I've not seen him. All right. Kevin was always squishy. Well, we're going to need you to put those back right away if you can. Always covered in delicious flesh. Now, to be be fair, they did have to skin and eat Kevin, the person, because he was getting confused with creaking Kevin the door. Yes. And that's just too many. We can we can have as many Barrys as we want on on the ship, but we can only have one Kevin. One Kevin. But where is Fred? Fred was the person <laughs> we were looking for. <laughs> Never mind. Let's, I don't care. Whoever this flesh sack is, I don't care about him. It was Kevin. It doesn't matter. Well, look, Kev, Fred did last like to we wear s- a Fred did like to wear a name tag that said Kevin. So I he he throws people off all the time. So that might be Fred. That it sack. might be. Yeah. There was a man who came by here earlier who had a car that he was driving with his feet. And there was a big plate of ribs that was put on the side of his oh, car. And okay. It caused it to flip over. Could that be the man you're it's putting a hat on a hat on a hat? Lots of hats here for us to now, if I remember listen correctly. After he got his car to drive away, he did meet. Another man who was from the future, he zapped in on a little tube. <laughs> and um, oh, I, I don't know, I that's all I kind of like remember damage from that. I where this went. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and Jabberjaw was there, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, look, let's get back to the point of whatever this is. And that's me saying, if there's a room that has haunted Victorian dolls in it, like this one clearly does, don't go in. Unless... You're a haunted Victorian doll because you'll only find things you don't like or they'll tell you their backstory and you'll be in there for 1,000 years and everyone you know and love will be dead and rotted away. Yes, okay, so I hear that. Except for Travis. Yes. You, Travis is immune. I get that. But what if, I don't know, we put the haunted uh, dolls in less of an expansive room? This is a big section of the lower nice. decks of the ship. Well, each, we could put in here. Each haunted doll needs 800 square feet. Otherwise, I mean, it's just cruel if you don't give them that much space. If Do you want me to keep... You wouldn't be cruel to us, Mr. Jonnet, would you? Uh, okay. All right. All right. I'm going to grab this good rope that the flesh sack has left, and I'm going to back away out of this room. Gable, I Gable, I'm trying to walk with you, but one of the one of the dolls is holding my finger like we're holding hands, and I it's too strong. Uh, we'll see you scold in your it, scold it, tell it of its sins. <laughs> you can run, but it's already inside you. Oh, no, you're in timeout. Please help me. Nodos goes over uh, to Jonnet and like starts disentangling his hand from the doll. Why? Now, Jonnet, remember, don't ever let this happen again. Why? Let me go. I want to eat the boy. <laughs> I want to eat the tasty, tasty boy. We got to get, get out of here. We got to get out of here. <laughs> Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. 
We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Asians Represent. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other about the sound of Agatha's beloved Airhorn app. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at Phantom Arts ENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. <laughs>